Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Talking Baseball. We are joined by another podcaster, Ian Happ. Let's do Thank it. Thank you for having <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Talking Baseball as we come live from the DraftKings studio in the Bronx. Uh, Trevor Plouffe out on the left coast and podcaster, part-time weatherman, uh, also uh, plays some outfield for the Cubs at times. Uh, Ian Happ coming live from Arizona? Arizona. You never know where you're going to find me in the country. I'm just floating around. I'm all over the place. Also, I feel like I didn't get the memo that once the music hits, I'm supposed to do something like try yeah. to sunglasses or bobbin. You know, next time I come on, I'll be ready. Well, I, I don't want to get you and you and Trevor beefing early. Although beforehand, we were talking everything, uh, crypto, a couple ball players just yucking it up. Um, and Trevor Plouffe was just on your show, The Compound, um, and there was a funny moment uh, where Trevor. Did ask if you guys were ever going to have Josh Donaldson on. Come on, man. And then he was on a couple episodes ago. And Trevor, to your, I do want to protect you. You said, like, I was commenting on the post. I saw, I saw a lot of it, but you, uh, that was a tough moment. That was a tough moment. It was tough. It was tough because I thought that as a part of John Boy Media, he cared enough to at least uh, to listen to every episode. Sure. But if there's like a, blurb on twitter maybe just know who the guests were in the last couple days but yeah this is slippery slope here ian don't make me start asking about our episodes on talking baseball (laughs) man i will say this i remember the episode very well donaldson had some unreal quotes and i did interact with some stuff on twitter i sometimes partake in the devil's lettuce and short-term memory sometimes leaves me it's not my fault you would be surprised uh, when I'm going through my off-season workouts. I'll throw in the headphones and throw in a little talking baseball. See what the boys are chatting about. Got to keep up. Okay. We uh, We love that happers. Thank you. Thanks for hopping on. Uh, the other funny part, as I I'll throw Trev under the bus quickly again. Uh, Trev hops on. You know, you guys had been asking for a little while, and then you guys he comes on. You hit him up a couple hours before. He pops on. Trevor Plouffe, the man. And then about 24 hours later, he cashes in his chip. And he's like, hey, Happer, uh, why don't you hop on Talking Baseball? Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure he said, can you cover for me, too? Yes. I'm pretty sure he was like, can you cover for me? So, I know, obviously, Jimmy's out. It was like, yeah, I would, me and Jake, will get after it. And then I log on, and here's Trevor. So, I feel a little, feel like a little hoodwink here. I feel like he was... <laughs> A little gamesmanship. No gamesmanship. I do want to go over a quote that Josh Donaldson said on the pod. <laughs> Comp- wow. Mm. Do we lose him? A little freeze frame. Did he just freeze after Down. that? Oh. Somebody take a picture of that freeze frame. That's a creepy freeze frame, huh? It really is. Those glasses are scaring me. He looks like a dinosaur. Have you ever asked him about the stuff that's behind him and what it all means? We, uh, it, it's kind of... Am I back? You're kind of back, Trev. Are you back? I think so. What the yeah. freak, man? 
Did you guys hear my quote that Josh Donaldson said that I remember? Literally, the, the whole quote is missing. Okay. He said, I may not be Miguel Cabrera, but in your lineup, I'm Miguel Cabrera. Mm. I love that. That's yeah. very much a JD thought process. That's an all-time quote, and it was very early in his career, and he said it to the manager. And I can't even imagine – like, I can't imagine early in my career going up to – obviously, it was a little – the Cubby lineup, I was definitely not the Miguel Cabrera of the Cubby lineup when I first came up. But it, to go up to like a Joe Madden or Bob Belver and just be like, I, I'm your three-hitter. Like, oh, yes. And I, so when I played in Oakland, I heard stories from everybody about Josh Donaldson and the back and force that him and Billy Bean would have in the clubhouse. And that is – Donaldson's one of a kind. I mean, I know he's polarizing. Like some people like really don't like him. I personally really do like him. And I think he's very smart. And I think that like you just kind of got to like let him be himself. But he's got some funny stuff with him and Billy. Like we got to get into that. Next time we have him on one of our shows, we got to get into that. I appreciate how candid he is. Like he's he's willing to tell all the stories. He's not hiding anything. And he speaks very intelligently about hitting. And I think mm -hmm. early on when he started talking about it, it was a very foreign thought process. It's become much more accepted now with hitting Twitter and the hitting gurus and all of the different thought processes and that stuff has leaked into the minor leagues and baseball. So like his stuff is much more accepted now, but he, he articulates what he's talking about in, in a way that it's, it's very palatable. Like you can, it's digestible mm -hmm. for so many, like even for kids, which is impressive. Love it. We, uh, we had a good laugh one time casually in a tweet, uh, Josh Donaldson corrected Trevor Plouffe's like 2017 batting stance that just cracked us up because it's like, come on, man. Uh, and then you're right, like he it it's pretty. I mean, if anyone's from the baseball world's been following his Twitter, you know Josh Donaldson doesn't hold back. But you know, right before the sticky stuff went off, JD was on Twitter saying like, I got a list of dudes doing it, and it's like, oh whoa. Um, and I mean, it kind of turned out he was right because right after that, the game. Locked down on it, so it's it can be a lot, but we also appreciate it. I know he hopped on with you. He'll probably be on here at some point. He hopped on with our girl Ashland uh, to talk some stuff, so he uh, he is in it, man, and he's uh, one of a kind is definitely the right way to put it. Trev, I thought you had some all-time quotes on the sticky stuff, too. I thought your, uh, your, your, your analogy to court bats. Yeah. I love that. I'm I want to be the protector of the hitters realm on Twitter. Like I will go, I will die on Twitter to protect hitters Twitter, if that makes sense. Because I, pitchers, man, they get all the benefit of the doubt. We talk about this so much. Like no unwritten rule favors a hitter. It all favors the pitcher. They already win 70% of the time. They're babies. Don't get me started on pitchers, especially starting pitchers. I can I can roll with some relievers because they're essentially everyday players. Like they they gotta they gotta lace those things up every day, for the most part. Starting pitchers and I we just don't get along. The bottom line: if a, if a pitcher is only winning seventy percent of the time, they're not pitching very long. If you That's have a three hundred batting average against, you're not in the league very long. That's like they're succeeding, you know, seventy five to eighty percent of the time. But I do think this is an idea for you, Trev. Maybe you know how pitching ninjas out there. He's always showing hitters getting diced up. I want somebody to make a Twitter that is just launched homers every night, and it's just 
it's like the you know the sword like you need to do the opposite mm. where like the pitcher puts his head down name that something we need i'm gonna create a hitters need to fight back yeah create i'm gonna create a bot that every time pitching ninja puts a guy on with a nasty pitch my bot is going to show that guy giving up a homer yes yeah just right underneath I think uh, I don't know how to do that because I'm not I I'm, I'm a high school grad, but somebody can figure that out. We'll put Prizeman on that too. He's right. doing posters, yeah. and then he'll do that next. We uh, JD's JD's all time quote, and then I, and then we should probably stop talking about Josh Donaldson. But this all time quote is: If hitting is the hardest thing to do in all of sports, what does that make pitching? <laughs> You can't come back from that. No. Tell me what you can say to that. Nothing. Nothing. Uh, I think no, me and BBD just had the realization that we have two hitters on, uh, so it's going to be a <laughs> tough day for pitchers. Uh, tough tough day for <laughs> David Cohn, uh, any pitchers related to us. Peter Moylan, don't tune into this. Uh, Happer, we're excited to talk to you. We'll talk uh, some you, some Cubs, some offseason, all of the baseball stuff. Um yeah, let's let's just get into it. And Trev, Trev was actually not supposed to be here today. I was tough on him in the open. This is his flu game. He's uh he's yeah. under the weather, um, which got him away from his family. So he's doing the podcast. Or am I misreading that? Don't worry about me. I'm not worried about that. But I am worried about dugout mugs. Uh, they have guys. We've been telling you about dugout mugs. They were with us through all the live streams through the through the postseason. Happer's uh, colleague, Pierre Zach Short, came with us for a day. Shorty, um, an unfortunately nice guy. Uh, really enjoyed my time with him. Uh, dugout mugs, what they're telling you today, because we've been telling you these mugs fly. Like, they're nervous. They're like, we're going to sell out. So today we're telling you about the Wind Up. Their Wind Up wine mug glass. A mini baseball bat mm. turned into a six-ounce wine mug. You know, Trev's a wine guy. He actually owes Ian Hap a bottle yeah. of wine. Maybe we'll have to send him the wind-up mug to drink that out of. Again, it is the perfect gift. If you've seen any of Dugout Mug's products, uh, it's just the perfect gift for any baseball fan. Go check out their wind-up mugs. It's code JOMBOY, 30% off at DugoutMugs.com. Code JOMBOY, 30% off DugsOutMugs.com. And again, they said, like, do this before they sell out. So they will sell out, and it's the perfect holiday season gift. So, um, Trev, have you eyed any of the bottles of wine yet? Or are you still thinking? Uh, well, he's he wants a French red, so we're going to go Bordeaux. <laughs> I just got his address yesterday as of 7.13 a.m. It's 1.3. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. It really does start with 1.3, though. I won't <laughs> read the rest of it. Please don't say any more. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I got a few ideas. I'm gonna get it out to you, man. Look, I'm mm. I I run at a little slower pace mm. than some people, and it's not because I'm not, you know, prioritizing you. It's just that I have two small children and a wife that drain me um, physically and mentally all the time. I love them, but I get you know it's tough. That's a that's an excuse that nobody can ever yeah call you on. Yeah, I do have a wine sponsorship, but you wanted a French red. Love that you have and my wine sponsorship yeah. is not of the French varietal. I love seeing you on Instagram walking around with a glass of wine. <laughs> what a he had a 
Such a casual flex. I do have a wine sponsor, but to get you that French red. <laughs> um, and BBD is going to be out for the next 10 minutes because you said every every time my wife drains me. Uh, so he's he'll be he'll be back in a little bit. Um, send our best to Olivia. Happer, uh, crazy season for you. Uh, we don't. I I think a lot of the people here probably know the story. You uh, tough first few months, and then you went. And I know you guys just talked about it on the compound. You talked about a little blooper hit, and then you go nuts. You end up with a one hundred one OPS plus, which you said you know is kind of important to you because you've done that every year. I guess uh, exhaling a couple weeks after. How are you feeling about the year? And then, you know, the I guess the Cubs in general, you know, we saw you in person and it was it was after the trade deadline and if baseball is a tough sport, it's, it's a lot tougher of a sport when you trade away Anthony Rizzo's and Javi Baez and those kind of guys. So, uh where are you at? Uh, just kind of summing up yours in the 2021 Cubs season. Yeah, for me, obviously the first couple months were horrible. Um it was the first, you know, April was brutal. May, uh, Nico and I collide and coming back from that. Uh, and actually the numbers in May were pretty good when I came back. Uh, and then June and July were just miserable. Uh, and so getting that, those last two months to really like, I was hitting 160, I think in August 11th, 12th, like to be able to turn it around enough, um, to get to some numbers that were respectable, that were just above league average. It was, it was a big deal for me those last two months, um, setting some career highs, you know, doubles, uh, homers, like those things, those counting stats, uh, especially once you're out of it, like those 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 mean a lot to uh, players. And so to be able to kind of set some of those and set that expectation for next year to even uh, kind of surpass some of those clips was, was really nice. But it's a learning experience, you know, for me, the last time I had a full season was in 18, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, but I got caught up in, in May in 17, had a full season in 18, was you know, not playing every day, but um, got over 400 at-bats. And then 19, started in the minors uh, and was only up mid-July. And then 20, obviously, with the 60-game season. So it was like learning how to play a full season again um, and, and having that realization that, like, hey, if you have a bad couple of months, especially Wrigley, April, May is brutal. So if you can make it through those months, you know, with without being in the gutter and feeling like you're completely and totally lost, like there's time to make it up. Uh, and that's kind of a really different mental space than what I was in, because if you're you know, once you're hitting 180 in the end of May or June, you're kind of just really scrambling. So, um, you know, for me, it was a learning experience in a, in a bunch of different ways. Um, but, you know, the body was good the whole year and. Swing ended up really good. So going to the offseason, like, that's awesome for me. I think the Cubbies, obviously tough to lose your friends. <laughs> like, you, know, you have friends you played with for five, six years. Um, and to lose those guys isn't easy. But uh, it, it was kind of that's part of the cycle for us. And and some of the guys that have been there for a while, me and Jason, um, Kyle, and Willie, uh, were kind of, Bodie, were kind of caught in the cycle. Um, but happy to be you know, a cubby and be able to see kind of that next wave uh, and what it looks like. And I think this offseason will determine a lot of how quickly that happens. Um, but there, there's players out there, you know, that can make an impact right away. Love it. Love it. Yeah, and I know uh, your cubbies kind of already, they made one of the first moves of the offseason. Wade Miley coming over, a guy that you 
probably saw a few times this year. I, I should have been a little bit further on research and development on that. But uh, in division comes over from the Reds, and I mean that's got to be hey, you know, it can't have too many arms. And some of the some of the numbers for Wade Miley absolutely loved him last year, so. Uh, that's got to be exciting, and you got to feel like that's got to set a tone, kind of like you just alluded to, like, you know, Chicago Cubs. Like, you just reset kind of the the old guard did move out, and that division still seems like not out of the realm at all for, for the Cubs to, to get into. Yeah, I think there's a couple teams in the division that are probably in slightly a reset mode, and then you have, uh, and you're the Chicago Cubs. You need to compete every year. The fan base expects it now. Um, we've set the expectation, uh, of, especially the last, you know, five of the last six being in the playoffs and then this year. So um, I think that's the expectation. I've heard awesome things about uh, Miley through uh, Mariznick, who played with him, a couple other dudes, uh, that he's just an awesome guy. But he dominated the Cubbies. If you look up his whatever his splits are against the Cubbies in the last <laughs> since I've been in the big leagues, when he was with the Brewers, when he was with the Reds, he dominated us. So that's how you go and get him. And now that's how hopefully he dominates everybody else. I got I got your stats up right now. Okay. I am pouring through your baseball reference page. Ooh. I've done this before, but now that it's right in front of me, I got a few questions for you. Please. You grew up in Pittsburgh, right? So you've been you're a cold weather kind of product. Yeah. But did you my question, I guess, is because I grew up in Southern California, we never played base. We play baseball year round, but it's never really that cold. Did you, cold like the winter months? You're not playing baseball in inside, Pittsburgh, are you? Inside, but you're you know, high school baseball. High school baseball, you yeah. All right, I'll, let me. I'll answer the question. Let me start at the beginning here. In the winter yeah. months, you're in. You're inside on turf in a massive warehouse, and then but your high school season is twenty games. 10 of those are in freezing cold. <laughs> so you're playing in snow. You're shoveling the field. Like those oh are. And then I went to Cincinnati and the college baseball season starts in February, which is ludicrous. <laughs> and, you know, we would go to the South, but you come back to practice in the cold. Oh. It, you know, in March, you're playing uh, midweek with Kent State and it's frigid. Mm. Like we played in snow every year. But I, the the myth of like you grew up in the north, you should like the cold. I hate the cold. I left <laughs> wow. as soon as I could. It's miserable. I hate playing in the cold. I hate wearing seventeen layers. I don't like being cold. I think the guys that go out there and play when it's snowing with short sleeves are psychopaths. I think they have a screw loose and I don't understand it. This is where this is where I wanted to go with this question. This is great. Nice segue there, Ian. You're a pro. Uh April and March. You stink. Wow. I think that's true. Uh, and this is your you're by far a better hitter than I ever was and your numbers are great pretty much in every other month May June July August September great but the 580 OPS in April and March is it's like an outlier so I guess my question is I know how I kind of tried to handle it and it was brutal for me as well if you looked at my stats I bet you in April and March I stunk too but like what what do you think are some things you could do to, to get over that? Like you don't like wearing the layers, so that's out. Like what are what are things you're trying to think of so you don't have to start off your season looking up at those numbers? I, I went through the exact same thing. So I, I, I know what it's like to look at your freaking numbers and be like, dude, it's freezing. I can't hit. But yeah, you know, what, I, what's on your mind for that? So there's 
There's a couple of things. I've only done it twice, which is crazy. True. You know, going into year six, and I've only had two Aprils. Because yeah, not was, a lot of games. Yeah, because it was only 18 and 21. So when you have to take three years in between Aprils to remember how to do it, <laughs> I've never been able to try it back to back and see if I can build off. Uh, hopefully next year I'll get a chance to play in April uh, for back to back years to see if I can uh, flip the script a little bit. Um, but I, you know, I think watching some guys like watching Riz do it because Riz is like notorious for stinking until June and then mm. really turning it around to being the best player ever in the second half. And so like when you come to the park and it's it doesn't even matter if it's 50 degrees when it, when the wind's blowing dead in your mm. face at 20 and you, and then the shift and like, you feel like there's 85 guys standing out there and there's no grass to hit it in. Uh, I, I think one of the things that we talk about a little bit is like, trying to take your singles and Josh talked about this, I think on our podcast, trying to take your singles early in April and like really not, not trying to launch like, but also if you do catch a ball, that's supposed to be a Homer, like you have to be okay with that. You can't get upset that you hit. If you looked at the like expected batting average, or like if you look at some of the metrics for, especially at Wrigley for like balls that were hit that probably would have been homers, but were knocked down by the wind, like some one Oh, one to 106 like fly balls that were outs like there was like five or six homers that i hit in the first two months of the year that weren't homers and when that happens it's just such a mind fuck so it's like getting yourself to a point where you're okay with that you really accept it because you know that the next five months are going to be like if you can just crawl out of april with you know, in the low 200s with a couple homers like i had one homer and one double that's interesting april. and that really like i was like what's going on so you're saying you'd rather look at the expected stats because sometimes the elements play i tried that i don't like you can try to convince yourself the expecteds are good like there's only so much time you can do that for before it's like all right yeah because they don't show them on the jumbotron bro they're showing you the real numbers yeah i and i i think it's just no like knowing that there's five months ahead of you knowing it's not going to ruin you so if you can just and being okay with like if you leave april hitting 220 because everybody tries to leave April hitting 310 because you see guys around the league doing it. Like there's somebody at some yeah. point in April who's hitting 450. And you're like, well, that guy's going to have the best year of his life. Uh, you know, the guy from uh, the White Sox. You're mean. Who, yeah. He, you're mean. he was hitting a billion in April. And then by the end of the year, like not in the big leagues, like there's stories like that every year, right? So it's like understanding that if you go out and you're just you know, for as bad as I am in April – 220 with a 700 OPS next year would be wonderful. And like knowing that if you can build off that for the rest of the year, that your numbers at the end are going to look fantastic. That's, that's crazy. That's it's, it's something that as a fan, which again, I'm a former ball player too, like you guys, but as a fan, you know, that's, that's tough to wrap your head around because especially when you say you're mean, he's playing across town too um but Wrigley is like a whole different atmosphere and uh yeah man the the mental juggle that that has to put you through um god it's it's bizarre is there anything physical that you that you want that you want to try next year like some guys do like the baby oil under their sleeves the baby oil you know I uh 
I've had times in the box at Wrigley where you're where you're standing up there and you're holding the bat and you can feel the wind <laughs> pushing the bat down. <laughs> you feel like you're like tensed, like Ben Zobris tensed to try to hold the bat oh just gosh. up. And I like that's one of the things I think just like sometimes giving in, just being so loose that you're like a couple bloopers today is the best way to go about this. Like yeah. a couple just really gross knocks is the best way to try to attack the day to day. And walking is big in April. I did that walking. a lot this year. Just try to limit your bats. Uh, but from the physical standpoint, I'm up for anything. A little baby oil, a little hot stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm jock at one point. This is a good one. Jock at one point before the season, because he had never, he played in, you know, he's California dude played, Grew up, played in California and, and uh, L.A. So he he goes and orders heated socks and a heated vest, <laughs> battery packs before the season. I love it. And uh, it they were a little bulky. It didn't really work out, but he tried it. He went for it. <laughs> People will try anything, man. So that's that, one of my favorite things is to see how guys combat that because it's miserable. You know, the one thing I started to do was I was like, who's tougher, me or the guy on the mound? Like, I can be – I'm better in cold than that guy is. He doesn't like the cold more than I don't like the cold. That's the mentality I started having. And I think I, at the end, I started doing a lot better in April because of that. I like that. I like that yeah. a lot. The, you know what the mentality I've taken is, which is probably the, not the right way to go about it, is, God damn it, I have to go stand out here for three outs, and this guy just gets to go sit in the hot dugout come out and throw 15 to 20 pitches and run his ass back in and put a jacket on. Oh, don't get me started on pitchers wearing jackets. Okay. On the hey, base pass. Stop. 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 That's how – I mean, Jimmy almost got canceled by jacket culture for that. Jacket that Twitter came for Jimmy's head. So, like, we we just can't go there. Um, Haber, this, one, one of my favorite questions is always the uh, – like what? What are your personal off-season goals this year? Is it are are you bulking up? Are you trying to get more athletic? Are you are you working on just? Are you changing anything with the stance? Like what's what are your off-season goals this year? Good question. I from a physical standpoint, uh, I've I've been fortunate in my career to be be really healthy, um, and so my my physical you know, off-season has been pretty consistent. Um, I I'm really don't like to make a lot of changes from the physical aspect because I think guys start making changes, start doing some things and then that's where injuries come in. So what my off season usually looks like I try to first three, four weeks, eat healthy, lose weight, get down from like the end of the season, weight, probably 10, 15 pounds, 15 maybe a lot, and then build it back up. So as I start to work out, start to lift heavier, start to eat more uh, and then put that good weight back on so that I'm, Kind of in a uh, my range for spring training is like two hundred five to two ten. Like if I'm if I'm there in spring training feeling really really uh, healthy and fast, like that's good. Um, so that's the physical side. And then um, from hitting standpoint, like I I try to keep it really simple. I started to hit really early um, before the worst year of my career, so I will never do that again. So I like to kind of I wait until almost January to hit. Uh, start really slow. Um, I think there's some stuff I'm going to try or, or work on righty this year. Um, you know, and a lot of it is, it's a lot of it is mental. A lot of it is like the way you're framing getting into the box and the confidence and, and some freedom uh, because 
it got, got a little stuck just with not being as free and, and kind of trying to manipulate the ball and, and not get beat instead of going out there and competing. So um, some of that stuff that I want to work on right-handed from a swing standpoint and from the outfield, uh, the defensive metrics are real. They've always kind of blown my mind. I don't really understand them at all. So trying to work on um, some of those things from outfield perspective, just jump, uh, see that, that reaction time be a little bit better. Uh, I think it's going to be a big one for me from a defensive standpoint. I can't keep looking up at like a horrendous defensive war that I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, that's that's brutal. I, I don't know, Trev, is any, any of that speaking to you? Any off-season Trev stuff to give? Well, first I want to apologize. I'm battling my – landscapers out here so if you hear some lawnmowers like Flex. you're probably hearing right now uh that are going on the defensive metric stuff is is i i love that you're approaching it that way like you you understand maybe it's not showing up for you but you you want to know why that's i think that's the biggest thing that ball players need to figure out is okay my metrics aren't there but why aren't they there what can i do to make them better i did that one time i'm talking baseball fans have definitely heard this story before but I went to Twitter, this guy, Mark Simon. I said, Mark, I feel like I'm playing balls out defense out here. And my, and my numbers aren't where they need to be. Like, what do I got to do, dude? And he made one suggestion to me. He said, at third base, play, guard the line. He goes, if you don't give up extra base hits down there, your numbers are going to go up. I simply moved a step over towards the line, and all my numbers shot up. Because I wasn't allowing extra base hits. So, like, honestly, if I'm you, you, you just got to go to someone who, who does understand the metrics, whether that's someone in the organization or not, and then just kind of ask, like, hey, what's, what's my – and you, maybe you already know the reason, and now you just have to fix it. But that, to me, that was like – it was crazy. I was like, I just have to move over a little bit, and my numbers are going to go up. And sure enough, they did. So – Defensive metrics make no sense to me, and I I don't understand them at all. I would like I would like whoever created them to have to like have a YouTube video where they explain all of it. But like if you play in Kansas City and you have this massive outfield, you know you're going to be able to run down balls that have an, a higher expected batting average that have that sure. are you know, supposed to be doubles and homers and whatever. And and Wrigley with the wind blowing out. There's yeah. stuff that hits off the wall or is like gets out at 365 and you don't have the ability to go get that ball and track it down. I don't know if that, and I don't even know if that plays in. It blows my mind. But the, for me, like the, that part of defense, like I feel like I'm great at keeping guys off second base, you know, making sure that like cutting balls off and making sure getting balls into second quickly um uh and and like communicating with the outfield being in the right place so that we don't have to like run down balls so that we're where the guys are going to hit it most often um but trying to figure out what part of those defensive metrics you can manipulate a little bit to to make yourself look uh better from a defensive perspective i had a great conversation yeah. this was years ago with uh, i worked out with drew Stubbs uh in in austin and Stubbs was telling me about when he was playing and, you know, one year him and I think Denard Spann were like one, two, as far as center fielders, like defensive metrics, everything looked great. Awesome. The next year they're like 17, 18. He goes, well, we're not different guys. You know, we're the same athletes. We haven't changed. You know, if you use the eye test, you would still say those are two of the best center fielders in baseball, but the defensive metrics had them being the best to one of the worst. It makes no sense. It's yeah, I'm, 
I'm going to set you up with Mark. Mark is going to be DMing you, so look out for that. He's going to come and tell you exactly what you need to do, and I'm guaranteeing your your numbers are going to shoot up, and then you know what that means, baby? Mm. Paid. Pay that, it's man. It's More a, crypto. It's <laughs> crypto's coming up second half of the podcast. Um, yeah, man, it's it, in it's it's a conversation that a lot of fans aren't truly ready to have because it's this weird mix. There's there's the old school generation of baseball fans that will just never care. Like they've enjoyed baseball a certain way for the first forty plus years of their life, so they're just not going to change how they view a good outfielder. If they cut off the ball, if they make the throw, that's they're just going straight eye test. Meanwhile, there's this new generation of people, kids, younger people that are really into baseball, and part of the reason they are into it is the analytical side. Um, and I, I don't want that this to be shots fired to those people because there are a lot of our fans, and I, it has such a great spot in the game, and if that's a good way to grow the game as well, like uh, it's kind of a fun outlet. Like There's a new generation of fans that do view it kind of numerically, and it, it is finding a way to mold that, but it's kind of funny because these defensive stats are so new, they're not perfect. They're evolving every year that to try to use them as a religion as we do with uh, OPS, which, by the way, that's not a crazy science project. That's on-base plus slugging. <laughs> like, but, yeah. but that's still advanced, and that's new age, and that's what a lot of these younger fans have been built up on that they try to use uh, an outs above average or UZR or some of these other crazy ones. And, you know, I, I end up sounding like the old guys because I don't fully understand those. And they're tough. And every year you hear, like, here are the biggest outliers this year from UZR. And it's like, oh, yeah, that guy's a really good defender. Why does Gio Urshela rate out poorly? Like, I've, I've seen that guy make third base plays that, like, only Hall of Famers make. So it's... It's evolving, and the new age fans just need to appreciate that more. I, I, I think it's crazy that a stat that changes every year on how it's measured and evaluated, like the defensive metrics, like defensive war, guys get paid off that. It's crazy because when you go into your arbitration hearing, you know you it can be argued that you are a bad defender, or it affects your overall war. So, like, even if your offensive war is great, but you have this like horrendous defensive war. It brings your your total war down, and then you're being evaluated and paid off of what that number is for a stat that nobody understands and can be very easily manipulated. It's like, does that make a lot of sense? <laughs> it doesn't. No, it doesn't make any sense, but that's the world we live in. And Mark Simon just got a DM from me, <laughs> so expect a DM from Mark Simon. Look at that. Fantastic. Look Pe at this. People helping people. Uh Fellas, we got a lot more silly stuff to talk about. Again, we're ending with crypto as always. Uh, let me tell you about Magic Spoon real quick. Uh, again, I think a lot of the talking oh. baseball people already know. You heard the noise Trevor Plouffe just made. Uh, Spoon me, baby. Magic Spoon. Uh, it's a healthy cereal. Uh, I was just going to make a rumor that Ian Happ goes on it after the season to lose some weight because there's zero grams of sugar. There's 13 to 14 grams of protein. Uh it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb. And I know you probably hear those words when you hear about other foods and you're like, oh, well, I'm not going to eat that because it probably tastes bad. Magic Spoon's really good. Um, 
They've got cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, cookies and cream, maple, waffle. And if you think we're like busting balls, we've eaten this live on JJR. Yes. You could see our reaction. It's some of the worst content we've ever made. We are just eating cereal into a microphone. Uh, mm-hmm. So as a consumer, that had to be tough. It was truly the first time we ever tried it. Like as it's true, honest reaction. Yes. It was good. No, it's uh, we were scared. You're, Jimmy you're told you're going to try something healthy. Jimmy O'Brien has one of the worst poker faces I've ever seen. You guys might know him as John Boy. Um, we both signed up. We're subscribed. We get the the four packs every month, and you get to pick what's in there between if you like the fruity, if you like the frosted, the maple waffle. We always tell you about. Go to magicspoon.com slash baseball. It's a pretty good code. Uh, hmm. And, yeah, you'll get $5 off your order with Magic Spoon. Magicspoon.com slash baseball. Uh, and use the code baseball. $5 off. So um, go check that out. Um, you can eat Magic Spoon out of your wind-up dugout mug. You really can. I don't see why not. I want you to know that was one of the best ad reads I've ever heard. I, uh, no, you, are, you haven't heard really our Roman ad reads. Was, was thinking about you guys actually doing a show where you're eating cereal into a microphone. Yeah. Live. Did it. It uh, Again, content-wise, might have been tough, uh, especially there's some audio-only people on that one. But mm. um, I think where it landed was a good place. Definitely kept eating beyond the segment they paid for. Uh Yes. Having the rest of the episode and everyone just had to deal with it. Yeah. And then, yeah, it just turned into we actually liked it. So we were, each of us took turns eating. Um, Trev, I didn't tell you I was going to do this. Um, but no, no, no. You're going to like this. Uh, you know, this offseason, you, you became Coach Trev. Last offseason, excuse me. Um, yeah. You know, you, you took some different guys under your wings. You got some of those young LA guys you got connections to. Um, Trev, I've got a young young guy here, 27 years old. Um, happy belated, Hap. Did your birthday just happen? Did I see that? It was August. Okay. Well, we, then we saw him right after it. It is a happy, a second happy belated birthday. Um, Trev, you know, you're year two arm now. Switch hitting, power, working on stuff. What a what would Coach Trev? You're throwing the arm around Happer. What are, what are you telling him? Let's hear it. Oh, I can't tell him anything he doesn't already know. This guy's established, dude. You know, the best thing you can do as a baseball player is be on the field. That's it. I mean, that's how you get all – anybody that has good stats at the end of the year just played a lot of games, essentially. Like, you have to be on the field to get those counting stats up, the homers, the RBIs. Obviously, you're not going to get judged completely on that in arbitration, but you kind of are getting judged completely on that in arbitration because it's all about comps. So I don't know, man. You know everything. I got nothing for you, bro. Wow. It is. It's all. It is all about the counting stats. This was the first year in my career that I've been able to get 500 at bats, uh, and that's huge. Like just just getting enough at bats to be able to. Like no chance I hit 25 homers if I don't get those at bats. You know, if I, and you're fighting for at bats at the end of the year. You know, having to go like, hey, you know, when, especially when you're way out of it, having to go like, I'm going to play every day down the stretch. Like, don't want the off days because you. You want to get those counting stats up. You want to be there. You want to be available, and you want to prove like that. I think that's kind of the learn that from from Riz and and some of those guys that I played with. But like that's the biggest honor in baseball is to be an everyday dude. Like to have five hundred yeah. at bats every year plus to play one hundred and fifty plus every year. Like that's not easy to do. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't let many guys do it anymore. So to be able to kind of say that that's 
you know, that's something that you do on a yearly basis. Like that's when you're established. Like that's when you're a guy. And uh, this is the first time in my career that I've been able to do it. I was pretty proud of that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I think that's the biggest thing, just staying on the field, whether that means you have to change up things in your diet or not going out or something like that. I mean, that's kind of what it was for me at, at one point. It's like, I, I have my soft tissue stuff was my Achilles heel, you know? So was, you have to stay hydrated. And that means you got, you can't be drinking beers all the time. You can't be drinking wine all the time, you know, even though you're not getting, you're not getting drunk, you're not hung over, but like your muscles, they need to be hydrated. That was my thing. So I think finding your thing to stay on the field is the biggest whatever that is play man that's it play and then maybe figure out the april stuff <laughs> like gonna, if you because we talked about this man defensive metrics defensive metrics april if you look up and you're able to look at the jumbotron i tell people this all the time whether you say it or not seeing crappy numbers on the jumbotron affects you as a hitter Perfect. so if you can get through april with like a 280 up there mm. Or you know, a couple homers, that is key, right. baby. Because the re- I mean, your months are incredible, bro. Your splits are incredible. It's just a little bit of April. That's all. Yeah, I also know like if I hit two fifty, the other numbers are gonna look really good. Yeah, it's like not not always trying. There's only gonna be a couple guys in the league that are hitting three hundred every year, and yeah. like can be a really productive player hitting. 250 to 260 for me if i yes. hit 275 it's gonna look silly it's uh it's it's crazy and i i think we originally turned our heads we talked to kevin biggio um and we were like hey so what's what's your stat that you look at for yourself and he said batting average and you're like wait like you're you're kind of known for being this crazy on base guy like you you know that's kind of your like special talent but it's because if the batting average is there, he knows everything else is there. So it sounds like you're basically saying the same thing. Yeah, and and I that I think where I've gotten caught up in the past is is trying to hit like being disappointed when it's not 280, 290, 300. Like because I I've had times or months in my career where it has you know I'll, I'll hit probably my August numbers. I don't know for throughout my career probably pretty close to 300. Like it's there's you some know what they are. Why don't you tell me? That would make me feel really good. You don't have any that are close to batting average 300. <laughs> Thanks. But so. your other numbers are really good. <laughs> the other numbers are really good. Your highest your highest is in August at 252. That's Oops. your batting average, though. Your so so for instance, May you hit 246, but your OPS is at 905. So who cares about See, that's what cares? I'm saying. If I just yeah. hit in the mid 200s, OPS is there. Oops. Uh but that for me, like being okay with that, like not looking up at the board and seeing 240, 250 and being like, that's not good enough. And being able to go go one for four, that's a great day in the big leagues. It's really hard to hit in the big leagues. It's really hard. Also, Kevin and I played together, uh, Harwich Mariners, 2015, 14, mm. 2014. Uh, got really close we were we were good friends uh he wears number eight now i wear number eight now wow big fan of captain biggio two studs is his twitter handle handle still doing it biggio because that was our favorite thing for a while <laughs> it still is yes doing it biggio 23 um that's so just, he just took his aol screen name and <laughs> put it to his twitter that's account. just all time the big and biggio is all, all caps, caps too 
all caps. Ian's Ian's like, what's AOL? I've never <laughs> heard of that before. I was on I was on the AOL machine. Trev, you I wanted to give you credit for this. When you were on the compound, you said that when you were in the minor leagues looking for housing, you didn't have smartphones. And I want to give you credit and like power for saying that because some people don't know that world. They don't know that world. Like you can't just pull up. I couldn't pull up Zillow and see what was around me for rent. You know, you had to like cold call places. I mean, using getting, you know, getting taxis in like non cities, getting taxis <laughs> in New Britain, Connecticut. Like I remember that. BBD will yeah. never know. We'll never never know. know. Everyone's got everything at their fingertips now, and it's okay. I'm not. I'm not backing my dang anybody here, okay? Because <laughs> this presents. This generation has their own problems, bro, that we didn't have to deal with, too. Let's attack pitchers. Let's attack uh, all of our fans, basically, yeah. the next generation. Yep. Um, who else do we need to take down? I, can I take someone down? <laughs> Here we go. I'm going to mess up his name. I think it's Walter Herzog. Whitey. Whitey Herzog. Whitey had some big quotes over the week. Dude, if you have to say, if you start a sentence with back in the old days, yeah. stops. Shut up. Just stop talking. I mean, Trev. Like, we what? don't need to hear about the game being two and a half hours, bro. Who cares? It's not the game. The game changes, bro. What was the quote? I need to know the quote. So uh, let's get a couple things out there. Whitey Herzog, I believe, is Hall, Hall of Famer, Famer legend. Yes. He is 90 years old, um, which that's. Maybe on the clouds. That's okay. He just <laughs> Golly, I'm not going to be. I've already made it a life's mission not to be that person. <laughs> we're going to be those people. I'm so ready. No, we're not. I'm going to be Mad Dog. Like, people are going to look at me and be like, he's off his rocker. You might be, but it ain't going to be here because I'm going to fire you. Okay. Before you get to that point. Somehow. Me and baby, John baby. That's huge. Um, Happer, I've got one more serious one and then, and then we'll just get as weird as possible before Trev takes down another 90 year old hall of famer. Um, we did an episode this year. Uh, we were doing, we do our recap episodes after the series and then we do a midweek and, you know, we'd come up kind of with interesting topics. Uh, the people liked it more than we thought. So we were just like, Hey, you know, if anyone's got something you're feeling like, let's roll it and we'll see what happens. One Hold of them. on one second. Hold on one oh, second. Boy. Whitey Herzog is in the Hall of Fame as a manager. Okay. Trev, I don't, I don't what do you want to hear right now? Stop disrespecting the game, bro. Just because it's a little bit different. It's the game still, guys. It's baseball. You're Hall of Fame. You reap the benefits of this game. Don't come tear it down because you're in a bad mood one day. Come on, man. His name is Darrell Norman Elvert Herzog, Trev. The guy knew people from the Titanic. Uh, Happer, you're a switch hitter. <laughs> Titanic one felt wrong. <laughs> we did we did an episode. <laughs> we did an episode that was about uh, basically it was about Cedric Mullins. How uh, he switch Ooh. hit this year? Yeah. He went nut job. And he only hit lefty this year. Now, you have some splits. I mean, I don't have to tell you you know him, and you're saying part of your goals this offseason is to focus on the right side and straighten it out a little bit. What Has there been any deep-end thoughts? Like, would I ever bag it, or is it like, let's just improve? Or I'd, I'd love to know that thought process from you. Yeah, I've, I've considered it, I guess, um, not for very long. Uh, I know Tucker Barnhart did, too. He went all left. Um, I... It's it's a tough thing because the game doesn't 
like left-handed only bats, especially unproven left-handed only bats, because there there's just so much platooning, uh, and I watch guys go through it uh, young, early in their career. So like to to make that switch, you have to have like Cedric did. You have to have super commitment from the team. Like you, the team has to be completely and totally on board. They basically have to say like, hey, we're gonna roll you out there for 500, 600 at bats. Um, and even if you just stink against lefties, like we're going to let you figure it out because, and figuring that out at the big league level is about as hard as it gets. So that's one thing. Uh, the second thing is I think I can hit right hand. Like I really do believe that, um, I've kind of fallen victim to the, uh, <laughs> platoon, even though I'm a switch hitter, you know, Albert Elmore and I platooned early in my career. And then, um, you know, you get, you know, if, if you don't have success right handed, you get platooned pretty quick because every team has that fourth outfielder or, you know, when I was playing second or whatever that um, does have a lot of success against lefties and and that guy has to play too. So you have to go out there and prove that you can do it in order to get the at-bats. Um, amazingly, like my numbers from 17 right-handed were, were pretty good. Uh, and it's kind of, you know, have not getting as many at-bats or opportunities or, or whatever. Um, and then kind of, you know, so I know that the ability is there, but it's that you have to believe that the ability is there. You have to believe that you can go do it. Um, kind of the last four or five years, I guess I've gotten myself in a place where I feel like you have to prove something when you go out there right-handed. You feel like you have to get the hits, um, and you might be getting at bats once a week. You might be getting at bats every two weeks. You might be getting, you know, a couple of days in a row where you actually get the hit right-handed, um, and and feeling like if you don't succeed. You know, baseball is a sport where let's say I get 10 right-handed at bats in a week or, or two weeks. Dude, less than that. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Then you know, you one lefty, to, one lefty starter a week, maybe. Yeah. So if you, if you have to end your, and you're, so you're trying to prove it off one lefty starter a week, plus some nasty reliever that's coming in, throwing some shit from the dugout. Uh, and you, <laughs> and then you're, trying to evaluate yourself on that and go, all right, well, I have to have, you know, two or three hits um, out of those 10 at bats. And once you start, you know, you go over 10 and you go, fuck, I'm only going to get a hundred, 150 at bats right-handed this year. Those things start to add up. So it's really going in there and believing that you can do it, believing that you have the ability to hit right-handed and have success um, and, and then letting the results happen because I've done it at the big league level. Uh, I haven't done it for a while really well, but I've done it at some point. So I know it's in there. Uh, just really believing in it. And I think that was pretty good. I had kind of a mindset change mid-August. Uh, and I think the numbers from, from mid-August, maybe September right-handed were, were not too bad. They were, they were kind of back in line with what, what they should look like. You know, what's interesting is <clears throat> a couple things. I love switch hitters. And I want to pick your brain on this a little bit, but I'm looking versus a left-handed starter you're you're great 778 ops so it's i think some of the times coming in facing some of those nasty lefties like you're saying that have different arm angles you're not getting exposed to that a ton um seems to maybe have been some of the the fallback my question i guess is and this is a little out there but that's what we do here um are there any lefties that you'd consider hitting left-handed against? Like, say they have some reverse splits, and if if so, have you done it? I haven't done it. I've never done it, uh, but I have thought about it. Uh, like, I, who? Who's the guy that would do that? If I ever faced Kershaw again, I would strongly consider hitting left-handed. Interesting. Wow. His Why? cutter, his cutter and heater to righties—they just they play mm. so similarly, and he. I am also a victim right-handed to swinging at balls in off the plate. Like that's. 
something that I've really tried hard to stop doing. So he is a, he's a tough matchup. For, I think I'm over five or over six with all punch outs. I have not put the ball in play. I've hit some really hard foul balls, killed some people, okay. but have not actually uh, put a ball in play. So like he's a dude and like talking to Riz and talking to Schwarber, like they, it, they feel like that cutter is easier slider. I guess when he, when it's lefties it's easier for them to just really get him close uh, and Riz has had some success against him. So it was like, if I get an opportunity, I probably never will. That's like usually a game where they're like, you're down. Uh, but if if I would get that opportunity, I, I might try it there. Brett Suter was another one. Um, Brent Suter was oh. a dude that was like, a, hey, maybe I should just try to get up there left. He can swing down. Because there was a, I got a couple hits off him, I think, this year. Uh, maybe if they probably weren't hit that hard, but they were hits. Uh, but he was a guy that I was like, he he had me domed up for two or three years, where it was just like, it was just not even close. Yeah, Re- Mariano Rivero. They talked about that with guys like lefties had a much tougher time with the cutter. So it's kind of like the same thing you're talking with Kershaw. Lefties and that cutter weren't very good. Righties didn't do very well either, but it was something that you would consider. Yeah, and I- Joe uh, with Zobrist, they would have times where Joe Madden would. He basically tells Zoe, like, hey, this is a really good opportunity. This guy's uh, splits, like, you should try it. And Zoe did it a handful of times in his career where the splits just were so obvious that he tried it. Man. For your last two off suitor. Whoops. Mindset change, I'm telling you. That's all it is. I like that. Man, that's funny because, yeah, I think a lot of the a lot of the reverse split pitchers we see these days are guys with kind of like a wipeout changeup because that pitch is moving – the other way, but the cutter is kind of the the pivot pitch. It sounds like, and I uh, have I love I love what you said because it also switch hitting becomes a numbers game. If if every team, let's say ninety percent of ball clubs have a fourth outfielder or a guy that can play the outfield that's a right handed hitter, you've now potentially lost that opportunity to play. Um, so yeah, I mean you have to believe in yourself to be able to do it, but you're uh, you could be taking away playing time for yourself and circling back to what we said be- before like <laughs> being out there is is the key. And when you talk about sample size in baseball, you know, if if I get 500 at bats over the course of the year, it's probably 20 to 25% of those are going to be right-handed, maybe a little bit higher. Um but definitely not, definitely not 40%. 40% is way too high. So, like, sample size in baseball, you know, 150 at-bats can look very, very different uh, just based on, you know, a few days. Um, you know, you have a couple good days. Like, if you have a couple really good right-handed days where you get three or four hits, that skews the entire thing. And and the reverse is true, too. So, it, it's looking at those stats year to year, it doesn't always tell the complete story about how good the at-bats were. were. So for my, you know, my focus is always right-handed, trying to put together good at-bats, trying to get on base. Um, and I think one of the points about, it's not only cutters, but left-handers for some, I don't know why it's, it's so severe. Lefties in the game, especially left-handed relievers now, are throwing so far across their body. Hater's a great example. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think that dude from the Mets that was nasty all year, that Oop. lefty. Yep. Oop. Yeah. Like dudes are throwing, they're basically stepping into the dugout mm-hmm. 
and then throwing across their body at an angle across the plate that is so severe that the ball it feels like it's any other batter's box needs the corner, and then that ball in is basically chasing you in. So that's become a very common thing, and then it's trying to figure out – because when you're coming up, the lefties in the minor leagues are – sink and high school and college are sinker, change up, maybe a slider. So everything's going away from you. It's very easy to get that ball in the air to the pull side. Like that was where I really had success. And you get to the big leagues, and it's the opposite. Got The sinker changeup guy doesn't exist. Wade Miley is a great example of a guy who's really good at it, but that's because he has a nasty cutter. But those there just aren't that many of those dudes anymore in the those game. Those guys are mop-up guys now, and you pray – to the baseball gods that you find a few of them during the year, but they're not pitching high leverage. And the dudes that are sinker changeup or split guys are nasty. They're, they are, they have made it through this revolution of in baseball because they are so good. You're yeah. talking about uh Shreve, a uh, McFarlane, uh, mm. like those dudes, they have a pitch that is, has such late downward angle that, They've made it through, and their stuff is different now. Like, it used to be similar to a lot of guys. Now it's very different because that doesn't exist in the games. When you see the sinker changeup guy, you're going, I got to remember how to hit a sinker in a changeup. I got to remember <laughs> how to hit a ball that's going down instead of one that's rising to hit me in the chin. So that it's now learning from, for me, right-handed with limited at-bats, how to attack that guy that has the rising, you know, it's basically like a left-handed Craig Kimbrell who is, with a low slot coming up on an angle and trying to figure out how to impact that ball, how to get it into play with some, some height in the air. Like it's a very different when you're going through that process, not having the bats to learn because it's, it's all your brain trying to figure out, all right, how do I get the bat to this ball? How do I put it in play? Like that's, once you get some of those at-bats, once you get that feeling and have some success with it, that's when you can really start to take off. But it's just getting enough of those at-bats to be able to do it. Mm. Look at you. You always call Zach Short the hitting nerd. That was there. That's yeah, serious exists. baseball it talk. Exists. This is serious ball talk. This is not where we're used to on the yeah, show, man. Shit. Can I can I make it silly? I think we probably have to go soon. Yeah, let's, a- what, what do you got, Trev? Well, this is a C. Rose question. I answered it this morning. I'll give you guys my answer, then I want to hear your guys' answer. He said, give me two baseball players. He said retired, but I say anybody. Two baseball players that you'd like to see square off in the ring against each other. So my answer was A-Rod versus Josh Donaldson. I I love that matchup right there. A-Rod hates home runs, even though he's one of the best home run hitters of all time. Josh Donaldson, swing revolution king. Can talk baseball, talk A-Rod under the table for sure, but can he fight him? I'd love this to is, see it. I this bet. is about a fisticuffs you're talking about. Yes. An actual fight. Okay. Yes. Okay. I want to go MMA. I'm going to go MMA because okay. I don't want to just do boxing. So I, I want Josh Donaldson, A-Rod. I'm curious. I think I'll kick it to Jake first, and then maybe right. we'll because I was also Hap a little time. I was just like Hap. I, I was prepared for this question. Um, <laughs> the first two names that jumped to my mind were you and Whitey Herzog. Um, <sighs> I love that, but that <laughs> but that seems <laughs> off the table. <laughs> that guy had a headlock. <laughs> oh, thick boy, Ploof. 
Um, Thought he would take hmm. his cane and hit you right over the head. <laughs> he might. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to think. Trying to think. Current guys. What's the, what's the chat? The chat's got to be putting up some good stuff. You know what? Give me it. Give me some old man pitchers. Um, because I I think that would be a good yeah. stand up fight. That would be like a like Wainwright versus Verlander. Like they. They would just exchange like right hand punches over and over until someone drops. Um, that's where mine jumped. So okay, how about I've this been, one? I, I got another one I want to give out. How about Carlos Correa versus Cody Bellinger? Do you guys remember the interview? The interview? Yeah. No. Belly's a peace guy, man. Yeah, that's a good point. Belly's a peace guy. You wouldn't even feel any of the punches. Let it happen, because you put him on the spot, and it looks like he's found one, so I'm pretty excited. I have a a few. I have John Lackey Lackey versus any umpire. Okay. Okay. I also have John Lackey versus anybody that swings first pitch. Oh, my God. I think Wilson Wilson Contreras versus – Wilson's crazy. Maybe Wilson versus like Amir Garrett. Maybe Javi versus oh Amir Garrett. God. Amir Garrett wants to fight everybody. Everybody. I told you guys when he started calling them the big dick swinging badass motherfuckers. I said you can't do that in April, bro, because it's too exhausting to have that team mantra. Yeah. You can't be the big dick swinging dudes the entire year. It just doesn't work. So. He learned his lesson, I think. You just, every everybody, it's whoever's hot at the end. You just you gotta get hot in September. I'm ready. Oh man, I'm ready for the Cubbies to do it. Scherzer um, versus Mad Bum in the chat. That's a pretty good one right there. Mad Bum's like scary though. Jake versus Tyler O'Neill. Similar bodies. Um, <laughs> Thirteen minutes ago, Canseco tweeted, "I have some interesting news about Alex Rodriguez." Here we go. Um, we're live. Um, I guess hat last semi real question. Are you, uh, are you tracking anything this free agency? Are you trapped? Cause I know you're a, you're deep in the game. Like you care about the game. I, I think that's one of the things we like about you. You care about the well being, like the, the actual, the player side of things and how guys are getting taken care of and stuff. And obviously there's a cub side of it too. And there's probably a personal side. I mean, you're, you're what two years away from free agency. Are you starting to, eye? Guys of maybe similar ilk to see what's going down, or um, where, where's your head at there? Yeah, not as much that I think it's you know so much can happen in two years, and you do a lot of you know, your platform your dictates a lot of how that goes from on a personal level. But I definitely have friends that are going through it. You know, all the guys that left the Cubbies are going through it, so it's rooting hard for those guys to get paid as much as they possibly can. I I think the the spectrum of people talking and writing about the contracts for this offseason and the numbers are hilarious. I don't know where somebody wrote an article that had like rude, like rude numbers for how much guys were going to get paid, like absurdly low. And to think that some of these dudes with the careers that they've had, with the performances they've put up with track records, like, I don't know as it's just being a player that you take offense to it, but like when somebody comes on, who's never played the game and then it's like, this guy is worth half of what he's actually worth. Get, I guess that's, I could go for an hour on how much that fires me. <laughs> I think uh, that, that might be Trev's favorite trade in you. I, I think you both have very strong players protector of the game, which 
is is a good thing. Um, and yeah, man, it's so funny with those articles because I I love them. Like, let's go let's go back for me. Like, I I was working a desk job for seven years, so if I could get my hands on one of those articles and distract myself for fifteen minutes, I was gonna do it. Um, and I actually Kylie McDaniel, who he mostly does, I think prospect stuff for ESPN. I'm not sure if he's doing more now. But he had his article, and I clicked it and got in there. And I think biggest payday he had Correa, like coming in around three hundred mil. And it's like, okay, yeah, I mean that's an interesting conversation with all the shortstops. You know, I think that can be a fun one all day. But everything else after it seemed pretty light. Like I think he had Robbie Ray for like a four for seventy eight, and I was like, what? The dude just won the Cy Young. He's got gold on his baseball reference for having the most K per nine of any starting pitching. You're telling me. There's not going to be one, two, five teams that talk themselves into Robbie Ray. He's he's like a pitching coach's dream. And Patrick Corbin a couple years ago gets five for 125. So uh, I don't know what goes into those articles. A lot of them, I guess, are clicky, and you would need to be on either end of the spectrum to be clicky, but I don't know. I, you I know exactly where they come from, bro. Like These are, these are teams telling – people to put out suppressed salaries. And on the other flip side of it, because I'll be honest, an on pod, there are some reporters that are under agent's thumb and they're going to put out ungodly numbers the other way. So Correct. like you just, everything you read as far as projections for free agent signings, take with a grain of salt. It's just, yeah, there's agendas everywhere except talking baseball <laughs> and compound all our other I, stuff we have. I just I think it's bad for the game when you have people, fans, and it's going to happen. There will, it will always happen, but it's bad for the game when you have fans going, "Oh my god, why would you ever pay that guy so much?" It's just not it's it's not good for the game. It's not what baseball needs. Baseball needs people not only rooting for guys to get paid, but rooting for like teams and players to like each other going through these negotiations. Like Baseball needs baseball fans like want to have want the game. Like you just want everything, everybody to be happy. You want teams to go out and pay good players so that they can compete. You want all 30 teams. It's not going to happen ever, but you want as many as possible. Let's say 20, 25 teams going out every off season and at least paying some good players to come and help their team win next year, because that is what fires up a fan base. And the worst thing for any fan base is to be going through an offseason going oh, we're not ready we can't why would we ever pay this guy because we're not going to win enough games like that's it's just not good for the game you want every fan base to want to see good players play and good players get paid because it's very difficult just to even get to free agency yes like, it just doesn't happen that much we, we talked about it on compound braves winning this year is excellent for those mid-market teams fan bases because that you can't sell bullshit to a fan base after that. These guys were below 500 at the midpoint of the season. Like Alex Anthopoulos went out and said, I'm going to reshape my entire outfield and then went and won a World Series. So like that argument is out the window now. Like teams got to compete and continue to compete. If your team sells off in june or july you got to call bullshit on that because you can point to now the last two full season champions the nationals and the braves were both not good baseball teams necessarily uh in the beginning part of the year 
So you can't say we're selling anymore because look at what these teams have done. I'm I'm stoked that that happened. Power. Don't let your team sell you on that shit. You Sorry. Don't. No, it's good, Trev. Let it let the hate flow through you. Um <laughs> Happer, we uh we told you 45 to an hour. I think we cleared that. Um what uh? What else do we need to get out there? Um, I think you're you're attending a family wedding this weekend. You want to give some love, give some compound love. Uh, did Rizzo? You said before this, Rizzo kept texting you that he was going to take a Yankees discount, which that's really weird. Um, but mm. is, whatever. You know, he he did love his time in New York. I would say that he loved his time in New York, and wow. he fits. He fits in New York. I don't know. I. He looks good in that uni. Not great with the navy shoes, though. Make him look a little dumpy. Mm. Ooh, yeah, yeah. It shortens your legs. That's why yeah. you're right. White and gray, Tony. White and gray. Yeah. You know, I, I. There you go, Jake. I started wearing white batting gloves on the road. Do you want to know why? And I'm so embarrassed oh, of boy. this, but I, I don't hide anything. Because it was an A Rod move, and I used to freaking love watching A Rod. White batting gloves, gray uniform. <laughs> BBD hit the music on you for that. Turn, hit, turn the music off, BBD. We gotta tell people to go see the, go check out the compound uh, with Happer, Zach Short, Dakota Meckis, producer Tom. Baseball. A Rod. Sometimes we'll see. Um, how you feeling with the compound, Hap? What's uh, any off-season plans? Uh, yeah, we got some off-season plans. Tom's working on posters yes. and actually getting us a video. Um, yes. we, we've had a lot of requests for video. We are working on how to best do that. Um, but it's been great. We've had wonderful guests like uh, Trevor Plouffe, and we, we're falling into a rhythm. We're, we're loving it. It's uh, uh, Man, it's, it's a crew. Uh, Zach Short, Dakota's kind of booming Midwest voice coming in. It's uh, it you guys are a fun pod. It's not just it's some people think it's a Cubs pod. Um, no, it's like all of baseball. It's not a Cubs pod. It's it's all of baseball and it's life. I mean, Dakota's story the other day about uh his going to the Michigan State Michigan game that was fantastic. Um. And yeah, if you're if you're anyone that's in this world, which you are, you're listening to a YouTube or podcast show, uh, you'd enjoy the compound. So look at that. if you're in this world, you will enjoy the compound. Like that. We're, we're trying to we're trying to get the video for a little bit more exposure. I think if we can get some video out there, we can get Dakota's big head into one of these squares. Yes. I think then, you know, we'll we'll get some people to jump on board. Because we do we have a nice little following in Chicago, but it is it's it's more than that. You know, we don't talk Cubs baseball all that much. We talk a little bit about when stuff's happening, but we try to talk more about the rest of the game and, and life. Zach Short, my guy, picking it baseball picking rat. it picking it for the Tigers this year. Six homers last year. Whoops. Those hands people don't saying, sleep. Those Carlos hands. Correa and Zach Short up the middle. That's what people are saying. Correa's already a Yankee, uh, with Rizzo and Schwarber and Verlander. Um, that's just unofficial yet, but I can't tweet that out. I um, have Verlander to the Braves as of right now. I'm just saying. Happer, go enjoy some golf, wedding stuff, whatever else you got going on. Uh, we appreciate you hopping on. Um, 
Enjoy the off season, dude. If you if you need anything, let us know. Besides the posters and the video and everything else, um, and we have to get some posters in here. But thanks for hopping on, man. Um, and we'll see you soon. Appreciate you, fellas. I need one of those hats. Who's one of those John Boy hats to rock around? That's get you a hat. Jonathan India has one. What else? It's time to talk about crypto. Crypto. Crypto's up. We rich, baby. Let's make our own crypto. Chom coin. Big baby coin. Promote it on heaters and heaters. (laughs) Heaters and heaters pod coming soon. 